Back in the 70s, board games and improv theater had a baby, and it was called the role-playing game. These games allowed a generation of kids to live out their dreams of slaying dragons and saving kingdoms, all while sitting in their bedrooms and basements. Today, gaming has moved into the cultural mainstream, and role-playing games are back with a vengeance. Join us now as five of these former kids come out of the basement and onto the internet to experience adventure, mystery, and obscure pop culture references. It's time for Roll for Combat. Hey everyone, welcome to Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Steven Glicker, and in this week's show, the boys examine that huge pile of dead bodies, because there can't possibly be anything bad in a big pile of dead bodies. They also continue exploring the asteroid, looking for, well, I don't even think I know what they're looking for at this point. I guess they're looking for the cultists and where they are on this asteroid. Also this week, my GMPC tip is why you always keep the PCs on the clock. So here we are, episode number 52, one year's worth of episodes. Although technically, our very first show was on September 26th, 2017. So it's been one year's worth of episodes, but a little bit less than a year of Roll for Combat. Still got another week or so before it's so technically one year. But we'll take it and we'll say happy one year anniversary to us at Roll for Combat. I am not really surprised, and yet I am surprised that we've actually been doing this every week, nonstop, for one year, and that the site and especially the Discord have grown quite a bit. I do want to say thanks for everyone for listening to the show. It's gone through a fair amount of changes, although you might not notice it, but our recording methods and the way we play, and even the way we just consider how we play within ourselves has changed quite a bit, because now we always play with you guys in mind, and we're always trying to do things to both entertain you as well as entertain ourselves, as opposed to the past where we would just entertain ourselves. So again, thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for being part of the Discord. Thanks for being part of the community. I'm trying to always add more to the community. You know, this is a big part of my life. I've been doing this for over 40 years, playing role-playing games. This is actually one of my absolute favorite ones. I mean, I do like D&D and I do like Pathfinder, but there's something about Starfinder that has just hit a nerve and I just really love it. I'm even surprising myself how much I love this game. It's something about this science fiction setting that's also kind of a goofy science fiction setting. The fact that it's not too serious makes it just that much more fun. And just that combination of goofy science fiction with some excellent rules just makes Starfinder a really, really fun system to play. So one note, this week the show is a little shorter than usual. So if you've been noticing, I've been keeping the shows pretty long. I've been making them about an hour and a half each because a lot of you guys asked for them to be longer. And that was going really well except for one small problem. It turns out we're kind of running out of episodes. Normally I was able to take one show that we record and cut that up into two episodes. But right now it's sort of going one for one. And normally that wouldn't be an issue, except that we don't record every single week. We have been taking a lot of time off, especially in the month of August and also some of September. So we're almost out of episodes. So every so often I'm going to have to make the episodes smaller and go back to the old format. The other thing is, I also don't like to cut up episodes in the middle of combats or the middle of exploration of a specific area. So that usually means I either have to make the episode short or really long. So and this is one of those weeks where I just sort of had to make it a little bit shorter this week to just make sure that we had, well, material for the next couple of weeks. And otherwise, the episode was just going to be a super long episode. And I just had to sort of balance out what we had with what I could do. Anyhow, so figure until we got the recording schedule all worked out, it's going to be sort of long episode, long episode, short, short, long, long, short, short, stuff like that. They're not all going to be long. I'm going to still have to mix a couple in there, just depending on our pacing. So hopefully that's okay with you. 
Also, it's for the one-year anniversary. Some people had some good ideas, but none of them really gelled with me. So I figured I'll just do a mini contest. Not a big one, just a mini one. Why don't you just go into Discord and tell me what your favorite thing that ever happened on Roll for Combat was to date. And it can be more than one thing. You can give me like your top three favorite things. And everyone who tells me on Discord what their favorite thing was will all get thrown into a contest bin. And then like in a week or two, I'll pull out someone's name and give you a prize. What the prize is, I don't know, but we'll figure something out. I have a couple of cool ideas. It'll be something unique. It'll be something related with the show. It'll be something that you'll enjoy and that you can lord over your other role for combat friends, you being the only one in the world who has it. So again, just go to discord.rollforcombat.com if you're not already a member of the Discord channel and just go to the general chat and just talk about what your favorite thing that ever happened on the show was to date. And I will automatically enter you into the contest and we'll go from there. Otherwise, let's get on with the show. Alright, so last we left off, and it has been quite a while since we have played, so I have to do a fairly decent recap. You guys flew to the Diaspora looking for a hidden Devourer Cult base, because this is where the message from Castrobel was sent, and you need to find out what they know, and also where the location of the Gate of the Twelve is, because that is supposedly where the Drift Rock came from. So you found some pirates, you managed to befriend the pirates, they told you about this asteroid that is supposedly had some nefarious stuff going on, you landed on the asteroid, if you remember you fought that flying creature that was using the same trick that <laughs> Hiroji uses, yes. and then you were fighting some large creature that was in a ooze acid pool that seemed to have fun dunking you guys in the pool one after another. And surprisingly, Cheddar was super heroic and managed to save Mo from certain death. And now, last yes, we left nobody off... nobody remembers. Yes. And last we left off, you guys were exploring a bit of the asteroid, and you found an alcove that is covered with dead bodies um and that's where we last left off uh can we get a little bit more descriptive act uh i see okay on our visual map i see a alcove that's a fairly large alcove uh but there's a pile of dead bodies john stats is playing the vesk soldier mo dupinski that is true but before we do that there's a baby amount of bookkeeping that needs to be done. That all has to do with our favorite Wah! Hiroji. So, Hiroji. Oh, God. Good <laughs> news and I have bad news. Uh, okay. Chris Beamer is playing the Lashunta operative, Hiroji. The good news is someone pointed out on the show that we were doing your sniper, in, uh, your sniper rifle incorrectly. We were giving you plus two damage it's actually plus five damage for sniper rifles so you actually will do much more damage why plus five i'm not exactly sure i forgot the math but i went through here lab and it's plus five so i'm not arguing so you have a plus five instead of a plus two the other good news is you know that new uh weapon you found which i put on your sheet the last guy you killed had a advanced dysporian rifle that does 2d8 plus 5 fire damage and holds 20... Sorry, I think it holds 10 rounds. It holds a battery, so you don't even need to reload it. So that is also on your sheet. So that will nice. do a lot of damage. That's good. The bad news is, when I was looking at your character, you are 3 bulk over your limit, my oh, friend. Oh, that, that is so... so predictable. So predictable. Oh, you need to throw out that new gun you just got then? That's fine. Bob Marquis is playing the human envoy, Rusty Carter. 
That new gun is too bulk, by the way. So too bulk. What? Yeah, I've never too, seen the film with too bulk. It's too bulk. So you got. I looked at your character sheet. I was like, well, I have, what do you know? The guy who has fifteen weapons is actually over bulk. Do you know someone on the Discord was asking me about your weapons, and I took a screenshot of your weapons and put it on the Discord, and people were laughing because ah. they couldn't believe how big it was. I had to scroll on two pages because that's how many weapons you are carrying. I very paranoid. Yes, for yeah. those of those of you who are just joining us, Chris usually ends up with the character with all the items. So, uh, uh, to be fair, while that is certainly true, with John, said, is absolutely uh, certainly uh, it, true. It's, I will say in this case that envoy rifles that drop automatically go to the envoy. Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. apparently, as far as I can tell, the writing that Paizo has put into all of this is that we will have some goddamn sniper we're going to have to deal with every single freaking adventure. Um, well, first of all, it's not envoy. It's operative is the correct word. Operative. My apologies. Actually, that was a slip of the tongue. Yes, you're an envoy, so we should be giving you all the weapons. Is that it, Rusty? That was the Freudian slip part of that. Yes, I think <laughs> that all of the envoy weapons should automatically go to the envoy from here on in. But, yeah, you got a lot. I mean, you have things. I'm just going through it. You got, like, the flame pistol. That's a that's a, um, a bulk. Wait, how, how does bulk work, then, uh, encumbrance? Exactly what is it? You can... It's basically... Oh, let me look at Hero Up. So you, your bulk for you, if you have six bulk, you're encumbered. And if you have 12 bulk, you're overburdened. You probably want to get rid of it because it slows you down. Your movement's now 20. Oh, which I don't, I know you do not like when that no, happens. No, I do not like that when that happens. No, I know you don't like that. So, And normally I wouldn't make a big deal of it, except you have more gear than most of the party combined. So you probably should drop some of it. And the new rifle is too bulk, so it is a very good rifle, but it's very heavy. I miss when we had a little sort of collegiate dog's body who followed us along, and we could just put things on. Yeah. Nice. Waylos. We need to space Waylos. You can put things on Cheddar. Cheddar can carry. I made the executive decision that Cheddar can hold a couple of bulk worth of stuff. So for now, if you want, I'll say you can throw it on there. But it's not a small amount. It's not like you're one over. You're actually three and a half over. You're halfway. You're more than halfway to overburden. That's how much extra mm -hmm. stuff you have. Things like the flame pistol are one bulk. The shearing rifle is one bulk. The hygiene kit's one bulk. The rope is half a bulk. The new rifle you found, which is awesome, is two bulk. You got a fair amount of stuff. I don't that see that new rifle on the sheet under items. Oh, it's not under items. Oh yeah, it is. I. Uh, oh yeah, wait, it's under Diaspora rifle advanced weight two. Yeah, you're a nine point one two bulk. So you need to probably drop a few things or put yep. them on Cheddar. does say that weapon is analog. What? The Diaspora? It wasn't the Diaspora one like an, an... Wasn't it like an energy sniper rifle? Jason McDonald is playing the Yosoki mechanic Tuttle Blacktail and his drone Cheddar. It's an energy sniper rifle that does fire damage. Oh, well, that, but that's it. That's the, that's the two bulk thing. That's the only two bulk thing that's on my sheet. Yes. Because you just got it. Now, important point of business. Can we install a wet bar on Cheddar? He has a riding saddle. I don't know. What do you think, <laughs> what, what do you think Jason? Uh, maybe next level. All right. I want an Appletini just as soon as possible. Dr drinks in low gravity are a mistake, though. Hmm. That's an excellent point. Well, I'm sure. So how do you that. envision yourself riding Cheddar? Like, is that like to uh, general, like he's your uh, uh, blaster to your master? I assume that like up by the shoulder blades but i don't i didn't have a specific plan but like does he normally just carry you around everywhere now i may have to take advantage of it i hadn't originally been thinking that but i continue to have the image of the knight and labyrinth i understand cheddar does not look like the dog but dr tuttle does look like the knight I'll yeah, allow we, it. We, we talked about that believe it or not we talked because I'm going through our first episode right now we actually talked about that exact same oh, thing <laughs> we are repeating our jokes <laughs> so. okay. uh, for all of you at home it may sound like I literally only have five thoughts in my head which all, apparently all in book love uh, labyrinth but no really I just prefer to think that I'm consistent you know the funny thing is when I do edit the episodes I think oh what am I going to say here I'll probably going to say this and then the funny thing is 9 times out of 10 I say what I thought I was going to say <laughs> well that's 
you know you're the real Steve. I know. Well, I think of a funny joke. I'm like, oh, I think of a funny joke, and then I say it, and I'm like, oh my god, that's so creepy. <laughs> the other thing is, I hear what you guys say. I'm like, oh, I think you're gonna say this, and then you say it, and I'm like, because sometimes I don't edit these till like two months after we do it, and I remember zero percent of the episode. So that's funny. Every time I listen to it, it's like it's like I'm listening to it for the first time. <laughs> so, do we know what Chris has or has not on his person? Because that affects combat. That affects combat. You know what? I'll give everyone a screenshot so you guys can help in deciding what he should and should not uh, be carrying, okay? I think that will be useful for everybody. Yeah, it's all going to go. Yeah, put that screenshot up. I, I can I can pretty much make the decisions on this one. <laughs> We're going to clean house here, Chris. There we go. So I put a screenshot oh of this here. I didn't do his armor because his armor is one bulk and he's going to keep that because that's an S. Oh, this is the Alien Archive. So wait, which one is this? This is the Dysporian Rifle Advanced? Yes. Yes, the Advanced. Yes. Well, you don't need the the, the tactical rifle anymore. Right. That's, That's gone. That's gone. One bulk. Boom. Uh, you know what? There's not a lot of... Everything else is L here. Where where, where else is... is uh, That's light. That's 10 light. L's equal a, a 1. Yeah, I know. But what like the screenshot that I'm talking about, there's, there's only two things that have bulk. He has a lot of grenades. He's got like one bulk worth of grenades alone, so we just need to set off a bunch of grenades just for fun. Oh, because I had all those goblin grenades, right? Those are all. And goblins. we've been picking up like a shock grenade here and there. Yeah, you have six frag grenades, two shock grenades, and a smoke grenade. So nine grenades right there. I, I'm just uh... the ones that really do is the flame pistol, which I think you've used exactly zero times, maybe once. Yep. Get rid of the flame pistol. Get rid of the sniper rifle. Okay. Needler, uh, gone. I have. Uh, I probably have two things of armor on me, don't I? No, you only have one. Believe it or not, you only have. Um, you have a light armor, which is like the station wear, but then you have your Essatex suit, and that's it. Um, get rid of laser pistol azimuth. Uh, dude, you're gonna need that. Oh my gosh, anyway. what will you do without that? No, right. I'm <laughs> no I may need that. <laughs> well, that's you're only that's never, light bulk. Never gonna need that. Yeah, that's light bulk. The other thing that's heavy is your hygiene kit. That's one bulk right there. Oh, that can stay on the ship. I mean, really. Okay, so we'll say that's on the ship. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff will be on the ship. Okay. Hygiene kit Hi on the ship. Kit. That's enough. That's three bulk right there. It's close enough, but you're actually, I think... Also, I don't know if you're factoring this in. I have this... Um, I do have the backpack uh, that is an industrial backpack that makes your strength as if it was too higher for the purposes of carrying. That is correct. You have that. I don't know if that's factored in, though. It is automatically factored in by Hero Lab. The greatest program of all time. I mean, I have I have an environmental heat suit. I don't need that. That's not on you, actually, believe it or not. Make sure the bedroll isn't on there. Do I have the um, brown shield still? Yeah, but that's, that's built in. That's in the ship. That shield is doing you no good on the ship. You realize? It's not. It's junk. It's, it's doing you no good on the ship. Geiger counter. You need to have oh, it's a, as a brown shield, it's not doing any good on him either. Exactly. Yeah. Thinking of space. <laughs> That's true. I'm looking here. You have the needler, Nike booster. That's light. Quick release sheath armor upgrade. I mean, you're pretty good now. Okay. I mean, that's a little more than three, but you're right at your limit. So I'm just warning you. Believe it or not, if you guys find loot, guess who can't actually get it? <laughs> well, I mean, I could. Well, it's like it's like a wafer thin mint, and then you put on one more piece of loot, <laughs> and he collapses. He's like, ah, the straw that broke the camel's back. Seriously. All right, you're down to six, a little less than. So you're you're at six. You're fine. Or are you a little lower than six? Actually, let me see. I need I need I do need more stuff though. Actually, I need a better gun, pistol. Well. You could just take one from someone else. Yeah, they're all using junk. That's not nice. You're no saying... one cares about winning in combat, except for me. That's not true. <laughs> what were you rolling for damage before with that gun? Or have you not used it yet? I think I used it a couple times. It's like 1d10, maybe? Oh, and it's 2d8. That's a huge difference. 2d8 plus, it's got a good range. It's not... It's plus 5? Some... 2d8 plus 5? Yeah, I'm trying is to figure out the plus five. Is what level are we? Fifth level? Yeah. I think I get to add my dex as damage, is why it's plus five, I think. Double check. 
Well, but your dex plus two for your, like, extra level bonus stuff, I think. I'm not sure where that came from. Even I'm not sure. <sighs> I think we have a grenade situation on our hands. All right, you're fine. Yeah, I did the... You're, you're at your limit. So you're at six bulk, so you're fine. Would you be willing to lighten your load by one grenade uh, there, Hurrigi? Yeah, sure. I mean... I mean, what would be good with undead? Because well, we're seeing lots of bodies. I have nine, and that means it costs zero. I think it's really sad that you're going to blow up all of the loot that's, you know, attached to all those bodies. It's very sad. These grenades are actually, when you think about it, are more like firecrackers. Like, that's how much damage they do. How's this? Why don't we do perception like checks before we blow it all up? So let me, now Now that Hiroji has run back to the ship and put all this stuff retroactively, or <laughs> we'll, just, we'll, just, uh, we'll just edit that out. Uh, yes, he, he mysteriously forgot that he's too heavy and put all that back on the ship. That's okay. He never used any of it. So, yes. Uh, wait, now, doesn't, uh, doesn't the low gravity help with that? Sure, he could just jump up. He like does a running leap, jumps three times higher, like Michael Jordan, throws it at the ship. I think he's talking about encumbrance, which is actually a very yep. good question. Oh, the encumbrance. But the minute we You're the right. minute we went into a full gravity situation, it would be a problem again, anyways. There's one thing consistent about Jason is that he always ruins the moment. It was supposed to be fun, but now I have to just edit that all out. Because no, but he's right. There are rules you're, for that. You're like, absolutely... You get like, you you're, like 10 time capacity. Absolutely right. A thousand percent, Jason, is correct. So everyone is light. You can keep all that crap on you until you find somewhere where the gravity has changed. So I am wrong. Well, yeah. You know what? It's been so long, even I totally forgot about the... Um, the low gravity. So once again, yeah, you're on a low gravity planet. But the flip side is if we go into a full gravity area... Yeah, so I, I, I don't want to ever be overburdened ever. So yeah. Well, it's also the only reason I noticed it is because I put the new gun on your character sheet, and first of all, the gun was awesome. But then I noticed it's too bulk, and then it showed me a warning that you're over. And then I was like, oh, there you go. Like, because we didn't even because you just found that gun and you, you used it. I think a little bit last time, or you didn't even use it. You no. were using your other gun. So now it's on your sheet, and you're all set. Now back to the adventure. This expansive alcove is devoid of the silvery ash that's prevalent elsewhere on the asteroid, but it has the appearance of a gruesome graveyard. Several discarded corpses lie here, some that look only a few days old, and some that are rotting with telltale signs of weeks, if not months, of decay. And in the southwest, about 50-60 feet away from you, you can see a large pile, it's probably 20 by 20, of corpses. What do you do? Uh, let's uh, start with a perception from a distance. Yep. 23 perceptions. Damn, look at that. That's pretty good perception. From a distance, though. You. I don't see anything. Tuttle, 24. Look at that. And Hiroji's around the corner and can't see anything. Um, yep. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's not going to. He's not even going to go near it because he's, he's scared. Cautious. You see a large amount of corpses, and some of them seem to have been rotted, and some of them also seem to have alien-like chestburster explosions out of their uh, chest cavities. Oh, wow. What if we throw through multiple uh, grenades all at the same time? That would be a way, instead of just throwing one grenade... Some of them also appear to be filleted, like their skin and torn off. And you can't tell if it was done by a creature or intentionally. Uh, does anybody have the survival skill? Yes. Can you look at the ground and area around it to see if a creature has come through here? This is this, the, this, this may is, be this, its food locker. This piles to the west? Yeah. 11 survival, not okay. a lot of help. Right. You also have to... No, no, no. South and to the west, where everybody else is. <laughs> He's going the wrong Yeah, what way. are you doing, Hiroji? You're crazy, man. Oh, there oh, you okay, go. I'm sorry. I was confused. Well, Hiroji's getting bald. Look at that. Wait, He's wait, getting wait, closer wait, wait. and Cheddar, closer. get over here. No, Cheddar, get over here. spark the encounter. We said be the, useful. The party is split up. Hold on. There you go, Chad Top. Can I make a survival from here? Yes, definitely. Yep. You're about 30 feet away from the... From the 14. Right. 
You, uh... Yeah, it looks like actually there's a fair amount of traffic to and from this corpse. Um, and it appears to be a mixture of footprints, humanoid, as well as creatures. It's pirates that took over this asteroid, right? Cultists. Well, cultists, cultists. in a pirate zone. Oh, yes. maybe these are the corpses, the pirates they took it from. Yeah. Um, I think you need to get closer there. Yeah. Do you guys want to do grenades or do you want to just investigate? No, no. I want to actually have the undead come and fight me. That's what's going to happen, but I don't want to blow them all up. All right. I have my. Uh, also, I, I want to say. I guess I have my pistol out, my electric pistol. Also, guys, really, there's nothing really inherently wrong with the undead. We could talk with them and maybe become friends with them. Uh, yeah, you, you can go ahead and talk with them. No, I don't talk undead. Sorry. You don't speak Eoxian? Who do you speak Eoxian? Says the DM. Tuttle tries to cover. No, no, no. I by saying something in Eoxian. No, I just, I just listened to the episode where you went through and said. You guys went through a whole episode of trying to trick Rusty into speaking Eoxian, and it is uncertain if whether he can or can't. But right. we do yeah. know that... I never said you could, but I do know... Um, I believe uh, Hiroji speaks Eoxian. Yes, I do. As does Tuttle, I believe, too. Well, I think I, I took I, it at some point. I hear you saying things, and I do not respond and look at you quizzically. As you get closer to the pile of corpses... They appear to be quite dead, many of them fairly rotted. The cuts are quite interesting. Um, if you have medicine, you can maybe determine what is going on here. I have military. Would that... Uh, well, here, let me just roll a medicine. Medicine. Uh, I will roll a medicine to assist somebody with medicine. Tuttle, 24. More than enough. More than enough. No one even needs to. Tuttle right. is quite skilled. At paying the bills and has looked and I am a doctor after all. That is true. Not that not not that kind of doctor, but it'll suffice. Well, I still say you're actually like a Reed Richards kind of scientist. You got your PhD in science. Exactly. I have the super generalist science. Right. Exactly. Biology, chemistry, engineering, physics, you know, science. Science. You know science. Uh, I think of him more like Doctor Detroit myself, but uh, probably not that. <laughs> you <laughs> you look around and you can tell even from this distance that these appear to be humans, humanoids, that were killed in a methodical, ritualistical manner before being flayed and implanted with something after death. And it appears there were some fleshy egg sacs that were implanted and then exploded out of them. So it looks like they were flayed alive, killed, and then implanted. Stupid cultists. Total waste of life. Oh, stupid aliens. We're actually, we wandered into the original movie. Alien. All right, well, I'm going to use my pike to uh, push the bodies around. Let's see, like, see, like, can I determine what species they were at least? Yeah, they're they're the standard pack world species. Okay. You know, the same uh, uh, what's the? I'm the... going to be making active perception checks for the horrifyingly uh, dangerous alien that's going to come back and try and implant their eggs in us. Go right ahead. And Mo, you can do a perception check as you start poking through the pod. Rusty is a 15. He sees nothing coming yet. Mo, 23. Mo. Second 23 for perception. That nice. Is such a good perception that. You start poking around, and deep, deep in the pile of bodies, you see shiny. You see a shiny onyx and ruby ankle bracelet. Ooh. Okay, so I'm going to. But you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to like dive in. No, I'm not. No, no I'm someone's not. gonna got, have to. I've got a ten foot long pike, baby. And Bra bracelet can be hooked. He's yeah, that's point. a hookable yeah, But it's item. on. It's it's on the dead person's ankle. Well, not if that ankle's not attached to the leg. That's true. <laughs> that is true. After all, like they to saw the that ankle. The off ankle bone. Ankle bones connected to the leg bone. After all, as the song goes. So, uh, yeah, that's that's simple. Uh, that that's that's meatball surgery. We call it back in the. Uh... <laughs> 
back in the day. Vesca surgery. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's 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 easy. I don't even I I don't even need to cleave that. This is rotted meat. Okay, you're gonna just spend some time sawing off the yeah butt. yeah just. Okay, you start chopping through, doing the meatball surgery, the foot pops off, the bracelet then falls deeper into the pile of bodies. Come on. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and use Psychokinetic Hand to get it out of there. Oh! There we go. Oh! The techno for the win. I wish I meant the foot. (laughs) I want the foot. (laughs) Oh! Do you have that really? Is that something you yeah, have? Yeah, I took like Technomancer dabbling, which gives me like access to can- to a couple cantrips. Not at all mage hand. This is psychokinetic, of course. The yeah. funniest thing is Tuttle was sitting there watching Mo do this for like ten minutes, just to see what would happen, and only after Mo messes that was, up, well, that was entirely for entertainment value. Just you know like- what it's like? It's like the little claw, and he's like trying to get the, the the claw to pick up the the bracelet, and then he misses, and it goes deeper into the pile, and you're like, no! Oh, those machines! I I bump into Tuttle, and then I use my psychokinetic hand to pull oh! it out. <laughs> <laughs> breaking his concentration. I'm like that is mine. <laughs> tug me, tug this way, tug this way. We see the bracelet going back and forth between will. Dr. Tuttle and Tuttle her. uses psychokinetic hand on the loose foot and uses the foot to kick Hiroji. Can my Pike? <laughs> can my Pike knock aside these psychokinetic hands? And, and, and well, it, yeah, you could try to like as they're fighting no, for the bracelet, no, you can latch that, yeah, your that's... hook through the bracelet, and like so again, like the carnival game, and then snag it from them. Interrupt. No. Yeah, I want to play my instant, and I want to use sleight of hand to grab it midair and pocket it. <sighs> An interrupt. Wow, that's some old school right there. Good job. Okay, so. There's like feet Who gets flying. the bracelet? You guys went from scared to death of this pile to literally throwing pieces of dead bodies at each other. It's like a food fight with undead corpses. Good job. Look at all these vultures. With with what's with, Rusty with... doing? What's 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 Slide that? of hand twenty one. I snag it out of the air and I pocket it. Well, other people would have to do perceptions to see if they see that. Oh, they would, wouldn't they? Let's see yeah. They do. Well, you're you're up against a twenty-three perception. Uh, do I have, have to, to roll again? again? You have to do. Yeah, you got to roll. No, you got to. Oh, oh no, not, not so good. much. Twenty-three. That would be. You a 12. are such a bad person. Hiroji totally sees it. <laughs> <laughs> and so does Tuttle. Tuttle says it idioxy and put that back. Hey, With Tuttle, a let's combine. flare, I produce it and say, ta-da, hey, I got the bracelet, guys. Here you go. Let's combine our mental powers and yank it. It's magic. We don't even know what the heck this stupid thing is. We have no idea. We'll never be able to figure it out. And I certainly wasn't trying to steal it. Blah. 32. Oh, no PvP. Yeah, yeah, no PvP. Now, lying to them, I think, is still a PvP, lie. PvP. That's true, that's true. Oh, you could totally lie. Well, you weren't yeah, trying to steal it. He he was being truthful. He was not. He no, was I, wasn't. I actually it. wasn't trying to steal it, of course. All right, so after all this craziness, you, uh, yeah, you, uh, I, guess... I think those were, in fact, shenanigans. I think shenanigans, shenanigans, that's what I meant. It was Tom Foolery. There was a little bit of a hullabaloo. We just need John to say something, and we're all. Uh, I, I don't. I have my vocabularies. Hijinks. There we go. Uh, Anyhow, you find a bracelet, and it appears to be quite nice. And I don't even know what to check, what to be to appraise it. I guess uh, uh, mysticism. Yeah. No, it's not even mysticism. Like, not even. Does it look like technology, cultists? or does it look like magic? I guess is the question. Neither. Culture. Well, culture. if it's culture military, I, I can do that. It's not military. It's okay. culture fashion. Do you have that culture? No. I do. Tuttle has do culture really? fashion. Tuttle apparently is a fashionable guy. But both of you guys are. You're both... Man, you're killing these roles. 26, 23. Both of you confer. It's a Tuttle and Hiroji show tonight. You guys are like tag teaming. We have skills. You hey. skills. You're like tag teaming, and you're like, yeah, you 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 confer with each other. You're like, this thing's worth about one thousand one hundred and fifty credits. Cha-ching. Sweet, nice. Now, who knows what other items could be in this body pile of dead bodies? Because you do see that 
although these piles of dead bodies, well, are dead, they were wearing their armor, equipment, robes, stuff like that. Well, not, sorry, no equipment, but they were wearing their clothing. And so it's very possible there's other things in there, but someone's going to really have to dig through that pile to find it. That All sounds right, like well, a, a rusty job. It. Actually, I was going to say that sounds like a rodent job. Like a scavenging road. Oh my it, god, it, that it is actually so is true. kind of a road. Yeah. <laughs> Could you run around the whole pile on all fours squeaking as you're like running from body to body? No, come on, I still have to maintain my dignity. <laughs> Are these military uniforms that they're wearing? No, um, not at all. They're just total station wear, normal clothes. Oh, okay. Robes, even some. Then um, Mo doesn't have much of a problem of doing this. Yeah. Okay, this, this, he's going to start like pulling nobodies. the bodies out one by one to the... Uh, I say to Tuttle, Templeton, get in there and take a look, Templeton. All right, you, you just have me mistaken with somebody else. You yeah, start pulling out no those bodies. I got the <laughs> yeah, reference. I'm, just, I'm basically going to pull out the bodies uh, so that they're laid in like some type of, uh, not so much a ceremonial fashion, but like uh, some somewhat dignified, like respectful. Yeah, yeah. something respectful. I'm not. Oh, I thought you were like using to spell out dirty words. No, no, I'm not going to put them in sexual positions. Stop it. Stop that thought. Uh, I'm just going to put them out and uh, like line them up in a row. Okay, this will take a while, but you can easily do that. Well, while I do that, they're searching the bodies. I mean, got it. So, you do that. The corpses are quite disgusting. Gruesome work, as it is called. As they are in different levels of decay. As you start moving them, pieces fall off. Arms fall off. There goes a head. You know, you pull off a hand and all the, all the fingers fall off. You know, it's just, it's just a mess. But you do your best. You know, those that are least wearing clothes, you can sort of like... You know, grab, all grab it like yeah. a hefty sack and just sort yeah. of pull yeah, them like off. Like a big bag of leaves. They're big, exactly. Hefty, big... hefty, hefty. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. This is not a time when you went wimpy. Yeah. You pull them up, and sure enough, do you guys just sort of pat down? Who's patting down these uh, corpses? I'll be on pat down detail. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing moving. Okay. Uh,. I'm actually not joking that I am at all times just literally making active perception checks because I assume that this is, in fact, the food supply for... Well, it's the nest. It's where that somebody grew its eggs inside these bodies. So that means that Mama, the space three-headed Ghidorah monster, is going to come back at any time. No. Why? Mama, no. don't let your babies grow up to be Ghidorah. There's no monsters over here. No monsters, except for the one that dunked you in the acid bath and yeah. and, and also um, <laughs> made you um, a willing slave. It was just saying hello. It yeah. was. That's how it says hello, by killing you. You go through the bodies methodically. We'll say this takes about an hour. You go through them, and you do find two things of interest. You find several cred sticks and... You find a glove that is way too nice. Oh. You can tell this thing is not rotted. In fact, it appears to be in pristine condition. Most Ooh, likely Michael Jackson magical. Glove. Yes, the Michael oh. Jackson magical glove. Does it fit that everyone? That is all you find. Uh, yeah, it does. Uh, Moe's going to put it on. Okay. You put it on. Cool, you got a glove. Now, you need to identify it. You need mysticism to figure it out. And well, you better let me take a look at that. You also have the Please, I think stick. I have that. You do have mysticism. So the way this works is you get one Mo check has per mysticism. day. 19 mysticism. You get one check per day, and if you fail, you can try it again. You're not even close. With Are you a 19 serious? Is, you're not even close. Oh, I'm let, me take a, let me take it. 18 plus one is 19. Come on. I, rolled I know. You did it. You I rolled did a great job. Actually, Oh, uh, Hiroji also has no idea what it does. I was it's going to assist, 17. but I don't. Well, you can roll your own. Each one of you gets one roll per yeah, day. Yeah, don't assist. Just right, roll well, your I'm own. I'm only plus one, so if, if these guys aren't making it, I've got almost no chance. Tomorrow we should assist me. Maybe. Try, try for your nat 20. Unless I can go get my nat 20, so. Right. Yeah, it looks like you got a 17. Actually, you guys rolled 17, 17, 19, which is good, but not even close. Because you don't know what I guess that's is. good news. <laughs> it's good news is that it's very high level. The thing with magic is you need to like know how to turn it on and mm. activate it. It's not like technology where uh. you put it. 
So you know this thing is magic, and you can tell this thing is unusual, and it's definitely not technology, but you have no idea how to activate it. And what does it know. look like? Is it uh, a metal like glove? A, nah, it's just a cool-looking, very All slick right. glove. Hey, and he's got the uh, fedora. We got. He's got the Michael Jackson look going on, so... Mo, uh, do you guys object to Mo wearing it? I don't know. It's kind of... Nope, you can wear it I for mean, now. You could, you could, yeah, you for could, now. You mean, could hold, I, you could hold my glove for now. Yeah, it could be a, <laughs> it could be like you know, glove of you know, microbe inspection or something like it, that. It's too heavy for me to carry my glove right now, but when I get back to the ship, I'll love it some more gear and I can wear it. There you go, Jason. Do you want to wear it? I, it's I, a, I mean, it's a actual leather glove, by the way. Okay. You probably can't wear it over your spacesuit. Why don't I'm you just, let me? Why don't you let me wear it? Yeah, I'm going to let you wear it. All right, I'll wear it just in case. All right. Uh, and I found it after all. No. Cred sticks and cred sticks. the glove, yep. right? Yep, yep. Oh, just to make sure I never have to ask this again, is there ever a possibility that a cred stick might have other data on it beyond financial data? Never. Well, not Excellent. never, but 99.9999999% of the chance. And if it happens, you'll know it. Um, cred sticks are basically just for credits, and they're indestructible. Yeah, and I get that, but there is the concept of, well, it's a USB drive, which means it could be a lot of things. Yeah, I get it. Okay, that's fine. There are 800 cred sticks in total after you add them all up. Credits. Credits. Yes, yeah. credits. Sorry. So you guys did cool. pretty well there. You awesome. got almost nice 2,000 credits. This is the kind of adventure I was hoping for. And absolutely <laughs> nothing went wrong, and we never encountered the monster. <laughs> like, okay, let's leave this uh, area completely with the ceremonial freely. bow of uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll salute the the bodies and uh, away we oh. go. Yeah, yeah, I I salute the bodies. Sorry, from over here, I've already left. All right, yeah, nothing killed you. you. Nothing surprised you. It actually was just yeah. What a great from encounter. our vantage, I should be able to see. Into this chasm. Yes. What is this? A cavern? Is this a slope okay. that goes up or down? To the north, you can see. Oh, a small little crescent area. Um, Why am I up front? Thin rocks formations here curve almost elegantly to form the rough shapes of caves and tunnels, with piles of silvery ash nested against them like snowdrifts. I remember, all that silvery ash is difficult terrain. All right. Uh, you know, we, we, we actually, we're going to be in formation. Um, Herji, unless, do you, do you want to be in formation? Or do you want, do you want to control your character? Yep. Uh, which way are we going? Well, we should probably go north. Uh, this is not actually moving, but I'm showing him, Steve. We're going in there. That's where the caves lead into the rock. Yeah, let's go in formation. Also to the east... I'll tell you what you see there, too, because you can see that. Nested between a sheer cliff and a small, narrow rock formation, the ground here slopes at odd angles. To the north is a small field pocketed with shards of metal, their sharp edges gleaming. That is what you see to the east of you. All that. You can actually see, you see that large pile of metal? It's quite large. It's a... It's silver! It's like a shard-filled slope. Hmm... I'm going to read that as the optional encounter that we can bypass. That was my metagame response. More realistically, that actually is nothing is attacking or hurting us. Yeah. So we can come back for it after we've won the adventure. Yeah, that'll be our exit. All right, so information, I guess, Mo in front. Uh, we're going to move north. Well, hell, we're not that far away from it. Uh, I mean, I should be able to see more. I see a chicken leg northeast of us it's what looked like a, a chicken foot the entire time do you guys see it yes uh, i see the chicken beak up top it's a chicken it's like a chicken claw no i'm i'm seeing two eyes and like a hook nose like a uh yeah i can oh yeah so looking deep this entire ground is filled with this silvery ash now this is not really a cave it's just sort of like this crescent shape it's like a crescent within a crescent um but this all that ground is all difficult terrain can we get a scientist on this uh maybe to figure out what this crazy terrain is 
Rusty looks very pensive I mean, and I... interested and says, hmm, it is fascinating. What do you think, Dr. Tuttle? Yeah, I don't know if it's dangerous or not. I'll do like a physical science check to see if I'm familiar with this at all. Get the uh, We'll put the eggheads on it. 27. <laughs> Jesus. It's dirt. No, actually, you know. <laughs> so you've actually seen this throughout the, the asteroid so far. It's actually all over the place. Collected at crevices at the base of cliffs as well as the bases of small rock formations are drifts. Of same of a strange sort of space ash, made up of metal flakes, rocky grit, and space dust. This is literally fine, almost sand-like space dust. It can be anywhere from just a few inches to several feet deep. Um, hence the difficult terrain to walk across it. Also, because it can be fairly deep in places, you have no idea what can be in it. So, like, how high does it get? It can go up to, like, your waist. Okay. This is another situation where we like our pike. Okay, so does the pike, like, is it packed like, uh, is it like sand or is it like hard packed earth? Yeah, can you use the pike to, like, poke in front of you and kind of That's what I want to do, yeah. Totally. It's it's like it's like a you know when you're on a sand dune or you're like yeah. trying to run on the beach or like totally. more like a sand dune, like a real sand dune, not like a fake one, like the ones you you know see in the movies where it's like you know very loose uh, sand, like the ones in Mad Max. Remember yeah. like that? It's like it's yeah. hard to walk on and it can collapse under your feet. Yeah, because like I mean this is like uh, uh, like the beach sand is all packed down. This is this is a. Uh... This is loose. This should be easy. Yeah, to it's push loose, through. fluffy. You know what? It's like also walking through like powdered snow. Same. Okay, so I'm gonna do that. Okay, I'm gonna walk like, I guess, here. I guess do I see around this horseshoe a sure. little bit? Eleven. No, I mean you just see lots of silvery ash. Oh, okay, you go in a little further. Yep, you see lots of little. Silvery ash. This might be a grenade moment, I think. It's just like, you know, again, this is like up to your ankles. It's not that deep, but obviously it's difficult to move through. What are you doing exactly? Give me like a status of what you're doing. Okay, so what I'm doing is I'm shuffling my feet forward. Uh, I do not move forward. I'm basically pushing my pike through the snow in front of me until I hit something solid. Uh, I've got a 10-foot reach, so that's basically uh, what I'm doing. Um, I would like so, to silvery ash. Sorry. suggest... Did you say that there was silvery eggs were in the bodies? In mm. the <laughs> were oh. they silvery? Steve? No, they were fleshy egg sacs and the corpses. Okay. All right. I thought I had heard silvery reference before. Sorry. My I've said silver uh, a couple times. but There's silver metal... Yeah, there's silver metal. There's a lot of silver-ish on this asteroid. No, no, that's fine. (sighs) This might be a good situation where we are all tethered together with a rope. Remember when we were, uh, when we had a, we had a mouse on a rope. Zero G thing. Yeah, yeah. I think we ought to like do the uh, whole safety line type of uh, maneuver, just around our waists, make sure everyone's uh, using. Good old Cheddar as the anchor uh, anchor guy. <laughs> I'm actually going to ride on Cheddar. I'm going to get on the riding Ooh, side. Oh, good idea. Uh, that's a great idea. Okay, that's one less person we have to tie the rope to. So, uh, oh, lordy. So dun, is dun, dun, dun. that something we can do? Yeah, sure. Okay. It's uh, like Lawrence of Arabia. He's my camel. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's, what's your plan, Mo? Where are you going? Uh, that we're just going to go in a line. Um, we're going to be have a rope around our waist so that if anybody gets pulled in by the giant antlion creature, well, how about that's we tie the, the, the titanium alloy cable line to you, attach it to you, and then you can go in alone? Um, I would it would be better if the other end were attached to something because that's kind of uh, the, me and, the point. and uh, well, it can be attached to Tuttle, I mean, to Cheddar. Cheddar. You can attach yeah. it to cheddar if you like. Yeah. Clank it on. Click. And we can hold it too. Uh I like that plan. I would suggest that in the center of the line that we make a loop and we wrap it around Hiroji's neck. Would that be a good idea? Ha! 
Well, remember, uh, we can yank you because it's zero G, so it's easy. Oh, to that's true. Oh, of course. Actually, this we'll will, tie the other like, end to a, ba- to a bag with all the loot, and, the, and if it gets sucked in, her own. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right true. after it. Yeah. Uh, all right, I got my glove. Glove. I'm going to attempt to push the metal away from me with my hand and my thoughts. If it's the new magic glove, I thought I had the magic glove. Yeah, you don't. Oh, have that's the glove. right. Hiroji oh. has the magic. Glo- I mean, I uh, thought Mo actually just suddenly Tunnel thought that he it. could do magic. That's right. Well, he's doing it without the glove. He's checking to see if he has telekinesis. You know what? One of you guys should do something secretly. Do uh, secretly do the hand and make Mo think he's doing magic. Oh, there you go. That would be so awesome. It's like a C-3PO moment. Okay, so can I use the uh, can I use the uh, psychokinetic hand to make little snowballs out of the ash and throw them? Ooh, that's a good sure. idea. Yeah. Yeah. What's the range on that? Oh, it's like ten feet. Oh, okay. So I think it needs to be a specific object. I don't think you just grab handfuls of dust. Yeah. You can't. You can make it and then give it to your hand and then throw it. All right. Or, so I've know, got my probably pike. more work. I got my pike 10 feet away from me toward the north, and I'm pushing it up, uh, you know, as far as I can get it. And if there's nothing there, I'm going to move forward. And I'm going to expect my friends are going to be right behind me. I'm right behind you. Except Tuttle and uh, freaking that the because the, the rope is uh, uh, the, an- the rope yep. is anchored on uh, Cheddar, correct? Right. And I got a hand True, on it too. Yeah. If you want, Jason, just, just move Cheddar. Cheddar. Just park Cheddar at the center of the horseshoe there, and he can kind of anchor everything for now. Okay. If okay. you're going to ride him, you can move one of you, and then just tell me. And then, All right, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on Cheddar for now. Actually, can't we just ride Cheddar through this? That would be kind of cool. No. <laughs> well, if it's a monster, they might not care about uh, a robot. Okay, so I'm going to move in, and I'm going to do a sweeping arc around me, 10-foot arc. Slow going. You're poking, you're poking, you're poking, you're poking, you're poking, you're poking. Do, 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 I poke. just don't want to be the only person poking to the east, poking to the west. <laughs> Look up, down, all around. No, Jason was doing it stroking. All right, I'm going here, yeah. and I tell Mo of the, our communicators, like, this is as far as I go. I will, I'll watch you from here. Why don't you use your telepathic powers? No, it's, a, it's, a, it's too much of a display of power. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. That's pretty good. It's too ostentatious. Um, I don't feel anything in a 10-foot radius around me? No, no, no. You're going around. You're poking everything in 10-foot radius. You're fine. Um, again, you're just going through the silvery ash. I'll cover you with my rifle. I actually pulled my rifle out now. My new rifle. Okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go around. There's nothing in here. Give okay. me a perception check. Eleven. Eleven. So now when it counts. <laughs> what? Yeah. Now now that it, now when it counts, he's gonna roll. Hey, we found that usual bracelet bad me. I'm the guy that found that bracelet. That counted. That was the money. That's really mm. counted. So you poke, and you feel like you hit something solid that isn't the ground like it gives a little uh to the north of you and as you poke it suddenly shapes burst out of the ground roll for combat that's uh, that's a good sign i think these are treasure creatures that are gonna instead of they're gonna shower us with treasure well we did already fight the treasure creatures remember yeah. One. Yeah. The poop was worth treasure. No, that's right. So, and aren't those the ones that bit me and gave me an entire lifetime of disease? Yes. Mm, yes. Um, these things look like they have wings. Does this actual does this rock actually have atmosphere and stuff? Yeah, it has yeah. Atmosphere. Light, light atmosphere. Ah, please, Minox. Screelings, nothing more than screelings. <laughs> nice. Hey everyone, Steve here. 
So there we go. That's an example of how I kind of have to cut these shows. I could have actually just had an hour-long show, but then I would have had to cut it in the middle of combat, and I think that's not so great. So it's either I keep in the entire combat or I cut it right before the combat. So you got almost an hour of show. It wasn't quite the hour and a half that we've been having the last couple of episodes, but you kind of get an idea of what's going on there. So I know that 99% of all people out there don't even bother playing with encumbrance, but we do. And I have to say it's mostly because of one Mr. Chris Beamer, because he will carry around a castle's worth of equipment if he could. We almost have to keep encumbrance just for him, because as you can see, he likes to carry around a lot of stuff. And also, the combination of Hero Lab and the new encumbrance system in Starfinder makes it very, very easy to count up encumbrance. I also like to do encumbrance because someone like Chris, in a system like this, he will carry 15 weapons. And now, I don't want to limit his choice. It's very simple. If he wants to carry 15 weapons, he can be encumbered and he just moves a little slower. But he, of course, doesn't like to do that. So, of course, he's going to get rid of some of his weapons and only carry, instead of 15, he's got like 7 weapons. Which is still way more than everyone else. So, I do like to keep encumbrance and I do like to check it every so often. And now it's easy because he's at his limit. So, the next time he finds something and if it's a weapon that weighs too bulk, he's going to have to get rid of some stuff. Whether or not you want to use encumbrance in your own game, that's really up to you. I know almost everyone hand waves it, and quite frankly, if you're playing some other system, like a fantasy system, and you get like a handy haversack or a bag of holding, it all just goes in there. But right now, at least what they're up to in Starfinder, they don't have anything like that. I guess Cheddar is the closest thing we have to a handy haversack, but he's actually getting weighed down and he's probably at his limit, especially if you're going to include Tuttle on him. Huh, I never thought about that. If we have him holding stuff and Tuttle, does he ever get encumbered? Hmm, this might be a new question for Paizo, I have to ask. So anyhow, as for my PC GM tip this week, it is why you always want to have the PCs on the clock. So this really isn't so much a PC tip, it's actually a GM tip. But one thing you've noticed with my games is they're always on the clock. They're always racing against something. And you kind of want to always do this. If you just give them, oh, carte blanche, where they could just go on and do anything, you get the five-minute adventure day, which, of course, I absolutely hate, and I know most people do, where they go, they adventure, they go in one or two rooms, they use up all their spells and all their abilities, and they're like, oh, okay, we're done, and then they rest for the rest of the day. And then they do the next room, and then they rest, and so forth. And so it takes them a month, to do a single level of a dungeon. Now, with Adventure Path, it's a lot easier to keep them on the clock because usually they're racing to do something or they need to go somewhere or be somewhere. This Adventure Path naturally had a clock, so I didn't really have to add anything. But one thing I do is I'm always pushing them. And if you notice, I'm telling them, like, uh, you guys are behind schedule. You're trying to catch up to someone. And now there's something else going on around here. So you better get going and you better figure out what the heck is happening. Otherwise, the adventure might happen without you. Now, there's a lot of ways to do this. One of the best ways I like to do this, if you're not doing an adventure path that kind of already has this built in, is I like to have, and this one is a great one, the competing adventure group. I actually did this in Age of Worms. I didn't actually fully come up with this on my own, but in Age of Worms, again, the greatest adventure path of all time, they had a competing group that you pretty much were up against until about a third of the way in, and then actually you defeat them. Oh yeah, a bit of a spoiler there. But anyhow... One of the best parts about that adventure is that you were basically adventuring and then every so often you would show up somewhere and the place was already looted or the stuff that you were looking for was already gone because the other group got it. So not only does that make you hate the other group and sort of forms this common bond between you and the other PCs where everyone hates someone else, but it makes you want to just move and go forward because you realize, oh my god, is it actually possible that we aren't the only ones doing this adventure? That there's another group of adventurers that are doing the same thing we're doing and we're now competing for the same loot? 
if you add this element to your game, I promise you there is no better bonding experience than hatred of another adventure party. Everyone, all the fighting and any conflicts you have within the party will all disappear very quickly because suddenly everyone wants to beat that other party. And then one thing you always have to do is make sure that you eventually encounter the other party and then defeat them. But the first time they encounter them, the other party should be way, way more powerful than your party. They should easily wipe the floor with them. You know, it's the old trope of like where you see the bad guy, you try to fight him, you realize you're not nearly strong enough, you get your ass whooped, they give you a little warning and maybe a scar in your face to teach you a lesson, they go off on their way laughing, you swear revenge, you continue to get stronger and stronger, then eventually one day you stand up to them and defeat them. It's the same trope. And let me tell you, it's a trope because it works. It is fantastic. So if your own game, you want to get the party moving, and you don't have a natural way to have them move, do that. Throw in a competing party, and everyone is going to be booking like you've never seen before. As for these adventure paths, I kind of have an unwritten rule with my guys. They know they're always on the clock. Now, what happens if they decided to take a vacation for a month and then continue the adventure later? Will it still be there for them? And the answer is, yeah, it will be. But there's going to be consequences. There's going to be things like, I don't know, the loot that they were going to get is gone. Or maybe the enemies are harder. Or maybe they might not win, believe it or not. That is a possibility. At the end of all these adventure paths, they do have what happens if the PCs lose. And they actually have outlines for if you don't win, what happens? So I do have this unwritten rule with my guys. And if you notice, like they might talk about, should we rest? And they don't because they respect the adventure. They know the way I play. They know, look, is it realistic that we would do like one counter and then rest for an entire day? And the answer is no. So these guys will usually go to their extreme limits where they're totally out of everything and then sometimes even past that. And for that, I completely respect these guys. And that is really the best way to play. I would say make sure that there's always something pushing your guys forward. If they can just rest forever, it's not going to make for a good adventure. It's not going to put pressure on them. And if you notice all the best books, all the best movies, all the best entertainment, there's always something pushing the heroes forward. And that's what drives and puts the momentum into the story. And you need to do the same thing. So keep that in mind. Always push your guys forward however you can in any means necessary. It'll make for a lot more fun adventure. It'll add tension, which is always a good thing, believe it or not. And it'll also make sure that you guys don't sit around goofing off for weeks at a time and just lollygag through the adventure. So a couple of show notes. Don't forget, for our one-year anniversary, we're having the contest on our Discord channel. All you need to do is tell me your favorite part of Roll for Combat to date, what the funniest thing was or what the craziest thing is, and you can give me more than one. I'm just curious to hear what you guys thought was really funny and what your favorite part of the show was to date over the past year. And you just do that in the general channel. And then we'll take all those and we'll draw for a cool, unique prize that I will come up with that will be unique and no one else in the world will have except you, the winner. That's right, you, the winner. And if you want to go to the Discord channel, you can join. Just go to discord.rollforcombat.com. Discord's a separate app. It'll launch you. You join. And you can play lots of games. We have over 20 games of Starfinder, now Pathfinder there. It's growing every week. We add a game or two. It's getting crazy and nuts. Ha! Oh, so many people are there. Hundreds of people. So many people playing games. That's ah, crazy. Don't forget, new podcast every single Tuesday. Don't forget, please subscribe to us on iTunes and Android or any other way you do it. And do please review the podcast. Go to iTunes and review us and say how much you like us. That would be really, really great. I know there's thousands of people who have not reviewed the podcast because we only have about 135 reviews on there right now. And there are thousands of people listening to this podcast. So go out there and please review us. And don't forget, Jason's Talking Combat column is every Thursday on the site at rollforcombat.com where he goes through every single episode and tells you his thoughts. 
Also, do check out the Discord. Don't forget, you can play lots and lots of games there. We have everything you could ever imagine. They have Aeon Throne. They have Dead Sons. They have Starfinder Society, Pathfinder Society, Pathfinder Playtest. You name it, we have it. Lots of games. New ones starting up all the time. Do check it out. Also, don't forget, do follow us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. Check out the Reddit channel. Check out the Patreon. I just put up a ton of new pictures on the Patreon. We have it all more or less caught up. So check out our Patreon. It really helps the show out. And finally, again, thanks everyone for listening to the show. Wouldn't be here without you guys. It's been one year. Can't believe it's been a year. Hopefully we'll finish up Dead Sons by next year. I know we will. We're actually moving really fast. We're getting close to even the end of book three, believe it or not, even though it might not sound it on the podcast, but we're actually moving quite fast. And I really want to get going because we've got to play some Signal Screams, which comes out in about two months. So we got to get going. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And also, the end of Dead Sons is fantastic. Oh, and don't forget something very cool. Everyone who's been wondering what the heck is going on with Rusty. What is he? Is he alive? Is he dead? Is he undead? Has he turned into a new alien race? All those questions will be answered and more in the next upcoming weeks. People are finally going to get answers to the question, including Rusty himself, because believe it or not, not even he exactly knows what happened. But it will all be explained and it will all come out in the next couple of weeks. Otherwise, thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next week. See ya. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com or drop us a line at contact at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, and other social media platforms. Listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, I can hold my breath for a long time. <laughs>